Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal worship service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession this morning comes from Proverbs 24, verses 13 and 14. My son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. If you have found it, there is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. Here Solomon tells us about the nature of wisdom. The knowledge of wisdom is like honey, good and sweet to our soul. Wisdom brings pleasure, health and strength. And by wisdom there is what the New King James calls a prospect and what it means is it's a future. There's a future by, by wisdom. And there is enduring hope. Your hope will not be cut off. This nugget of wisdom is very important. And it's important because we can be tempted to think of wisdom as a bitter pill to swallow. We can be tempted to think of God's law as a shackle or a list of restrictions. But the truth is that God's law is a gift for us. And so is wisdom. And it does set up boundaries. But it does so for our own benefit and for our own blessing and for the furtherance of life. Good laws and rules are freeing and liberating for life. Good fences make good neighbors. So take traffic laws, for example. Instead of hindering progress, they provide a means by which everybody can travel in safety and peace. And by them, great good is accomplished. But if you violate them, you endanger yourself and your neighbor. Now tra traffic laws are one thing, but Solomon is talking about something much bigger here. He's talking about life. He's holding up to us a great promise and a vital truth about life. By means of wisdom there is a future and there is hope. Now of course God wants us to drive safely. But that's only a subset of the truth that God wants us to live well. Living well means apprehending God's goodness, seeking out wisdom, and holding on to His truth. Now this doesn't mean that wisdom is easy. On the contrary, following Jesus is the way of the cross. Wisdom is sacrifice, patience, and endurance. Doing what's right even when it's hard. And this is where we need to confess our sins. We gravitate toward the easy as opposed to the good. It's easier to focus on ourselves rather than God and our neighbor. It's easier to give in to our sinful hearts rather than fight our sinful impulses. And it's easy to break God's laws. It's easy because we are prone that way and water flows downhill. Praise be to God, though, that He has broken our destructive cycles. He has provided for us a gospel so that we may know wisdom. He has given us a Savior and His law that we may have 
a sure hope, and a future. So let us confess our sins. If you're willing and able, please do Sermon on the Mount. As we've seen, the conclusion of the sermon is a series of contrasts. We have a broad and narrow gate highlighting the difficulty of the path to salvation. We have wolves and sheep warning us about dangers in following Christ. We have good trees and bad trees informing us that we can Identify dangers by looking at fruits. Says Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. And we have true believers and hypocrites. Jesus is the Lord, and mere verbal assent is not good enough. And our text today compares two men, the wise and the foolish builders. The wise man builds his house on the rock, and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And this parable is a warning about disregarding Jesus' teachings. If Jesus is who he has claimed to be in the Sermon on the Mount, and what he has claimed to be is this, he's the one who came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He is the reinterpreter of the law and the lawgiver. He not only says, you've heard that it was said, but then he says, but I say to you, making himself the lawgiver. He says that he is the ultimate Lord and judge and the Son of God. In the passage we looked at last week that says, In that day, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. If all of that is true, if what Jesus has said about himself is true, then what we do with his teachings has a great impact. And the point of the parable is that time will tell whether every man who hears Jesus' sayings is either wise or a fool. Because Jesus is faithful and his words are effective. His sayings work. His words are effective for, for giving shelter in the storms of this life. And those, then those who practice and put them into practice will be sustained to the end. But those who do not will suffer loss and it will be a great loss. Our text is Matthew 7 verses 24 through 27. Therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, 
And the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. So our text says twice, everyone who hears these sayings of mine. Which begs the question, what sayings specifically is he talking about? And really he's talking about his entire sermon. The whole message that he's just concluding and given to us. And I just reviewed the, the message from the, the, from the conclusion. Don't just give lip service. He says, if it, not anybody, everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, judge fruit and enter by the narrow gate. Before that, it was, and I'm going to work backwards through the sermon, so that we're just reminded of all the things, all the sayings that Jesus has given us. He gave us the golden rule to, to, to love our neighbor as ourself, to treat our neighbor as we want to be treated. He told us to pray. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He says, pray because, specifically because, you must believe that your Father in heaven knows how to give good things to those who ask. So pray. He says, don't waste. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. He says, don't judge. Don't judge lest you be judged. He says, don't be critical. Don't have a critical spirit. He says, don't worry. He spends a lot of time talking about don't worry. Don't worry because God's in control. God clothes the, the, the grass of the field. God provides food. God provides shelter. Don't worry. God is in control. He says, put your treasure in heaven because there is where your heart will be. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. So he says, put your treasure in heaven. It's safe there. It's not safe on the earth because of moth and rust and thieves. He says, don't be hypocritical in your religious duties. So he says, fast in private. Pray in your closet. And don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when it comes to generosity. And then the biggest chunk of the sermon was his clarification of the law where he taught us about anger, and lust, and divorce, and integrity, letting your yes be yes and your no be no, where he taught us about retaliation and not seeking it, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and he taught us not to hate our enemies, but to love our enemies. Now when we step back to look at Jesus' law, which is what this sermon is, he's come to, to, to give us the doctrine of the kingdom of heaven, which he has come to proclaim. He's, he's, he's initiated his ministry. This is at the beginning of his ministry in Galilee. He's, 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 he's being proven with, with miracles. And he's got a, a large multitude sitting on the hillside before him. And here he is giving to them the doctrine of the kingdom of heaven. And when we step back and we look at the big picture of Jesus' law, we see that what Jesus expects is high expectations. His sayings are extreme, and they are life-encompassing. Nothing is left out. It, it goes from how we treat those who are the closest to us, our wives, to how we treat our enemies. It covers the entire range of social interaction. 
It goes from what we think in our hearts to what we do with our hands. From, from what's actually going on in what we're doing before God in private in our closet to, to what we actually do to people around us. And it goes from the spiritual things, how we pray or fast, to where we deposit our treasure. Jesus' law is, is all-encompassing. And because of this, when Jesus likens the wise and the foolish men to those who hear his sayings and either do or don't do them, we can discern something about the parable. We can discern that the houses Jesus is talking about are, about, are the foundational principles upon which we live our lives. He's talking about everything. It's, this, this parable is an excellent summary of, of the, the entire sermon. He says, look, you do this and it's life. You don't do this and it's death. And the wisdom and folly is evident because a house is only as good as, as its foundation. It's clear. It's clear. How do you know who's the wise man? How do you know who's the fool? Well, when the house falls apart, now you know. And this is building 101. It's, it's the most basic stuff. You can figure this out when you're a little kid with blocks. If you don't make the foundation solid, the house will not stand. Your tower will not stand. Because foundations are foundational. A bad foundation makes a house dangerous. It, what do we build houses for shelter, for comfort. But if, if we don't have a good foundation, instead of a place of safety and security, you never know when it's going to fall in on you. It's a place of fear and danger. And the tricky part about foundations is that while the danger of a bad foundation is catastrophic, the, the, the fall of that house is great, is what Jesus tells us. The danger is catastrophic. The danger is also hidden. It's buried. It's not obvious. It's below the surface. And this is why we do house inspections before we buy a house. It's because lest below the surface, there are hidden dangers and problems. Now the parable presents to us two scenarios, two houses. And these two houses both encounter the same hardships, the same trials. Both kinds of men, the wise man and the foolish man, build houses. And the difference in foundation makes all the difference on whether the house stands or falls. The wise man finds a rock to build on. And the foolish man builds on the sand. And that's the easy way, by the way. It's easy to find a sandy place to build a house. And you can do it right next to wherever the materials are. The problem is, is you're going to run into problems when, you, when the storm comes. And because of the hidden nature of foundations, which man is which is not readily apparent until time and circumstances take their toll. So two men, two scenarios, two men building houses, one man's a wise man, one man's a foolish man. Looking at it from the outside, if you weren't there at the beginning when they were laying the foundation, you wouldn't be able to tell which was which. 
One could be a hypocrite, the other could be a true believer. You can't tell the difference until the storm comes. But come, it will. That is Jesus' point in the parable. Time and circumstances always take their toll. Rain, floods, and wind are proverbial realities. Uh, think about the, 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 the parable here. He talks about rain. Well, where does rain come? Well, it comes from above. And where do floods come? Well, they come from below. And the wind comes from every other direction. We are surrounded by circumstances that are difficulties and challenges for us. That's life. Um, so rain, floods, and wind, are, they're, they're proverbial realities, and they are the trials that houses encounter. And they do come. Accordingly, in life, all men encounter trials and challenges. And as, the, as in the parable, they come from many different directions, above, below, and around. We can be attacked from the outside. The world can attack us. We can be attacked by the devil from the outside. We can be attacked from the inside when, when our flesh draws us away from Christ. And, and there's all kinds of things that, that we battle against, spiritual realities that cause us to that, that challenge our, our, our worldview, our life, the decisions we make, the foundation that we've chosen. And we all bear the burdens that God gives us. And we are all in the process of living life. And what that means is every one of us is building a house. What, what is building a house? It's living a life. If you're alive, you're building a house. And that means that this parable is applicable to you. How are you building your house? What is the foundation you're founding your house upon? And so, as you're doing this, you can know that trials and challenges will come. And all of us will ultimately face the ultimate enemy of death. And that's the final judgment at which this total destruction of the house really comes to bear. So given the fact that every one of us is building a house, and given the parameters of the parable that he, this is really talking about life and it's all-encompassing, the parable is a dire warning about wisdom and practice. How you choose to live. Are you going to choose to live and submit yourself to Jesus' revelation and truth? To his words? To his, to his sayings? Are you going to choose to do what he has said to do? Because if you do that, it will have ramifications down the road on whether your life is wasted or whether you stand safe and secure in the end. It boils down to a choice. Are you going to found your life on Jesus or in anything else? We, we all, in building our house, we all, we all have to choose a foundation. There's, you can't not choose a foundation. You can't, you know, you can't take a give me on that. You can't, you, you can't opt out. There's no middle road. It's either you choose Jesus or you choose something other than him. The rock or not the rock. 
And everybody serves somebody. You're either going to serve God and Jesus, his king, or you will become a slave to your own passions, serve gods of your own making, money, or pleasure, or whatever it is that you set your hope on, whatever it is you put your faith in. The difference between the wise man and the foolish is submission to Jesus' revelation, an actual, real doing. It's, it's not just lip service. And going back to the, this theme of hypocrisy that has been running fairly strongly through the last few sermons that, we've been, that I've been preaching on, uh, and actually all through the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, hypocrisy is certainly one of the aspects of this parable. The appearance of living well must be matched with the activity of living well. It's not good enough to, to say, oh, that's good, I agree. It's not good enough just to go through the motions. It's not good enough just to pray for praying's sake. It's not good enough just to fast for fasting's sake or to be seen by men. It looks good. It looks like it should look. But it's not good if it's not done out of true service to God. That activity, that heart action of worshiping, and falling down in, in humility and submission before him. This goes back to the fruit of the tree, making the nature of the tree evident. We are left with a choice, then, between life and death. We are left with a choice to be the wise man or the foolish man. Now, fools have many ways of justifying their disregard of Jesus' commands. Human beings, ever since the fall, have been children of their father, the devil, who's the father of lies. And we're good at lying to ourselves. So fools have many ways of justifying their disregard of Jesus' commands. Some deny him outright. They just close their eyes to his revelation. And in so doing, they choose death. They just look at Jesus, they hate him, and they turn the other way. They take the wide, easy path. And some hate him and seek to destroy his sheep. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Some want to demote Jesus to being a good man. A prophet even and a good example but we can't do that that's that, that, that's a lie it's a lie because either we have to call him crazy for claiming the things that he claims about himself which I went through a little bit ago he's the son of God he's the fulfillment of the law and if you do what he says it's life and if you don't do what he says it's absolute death to demote Jesus to just being a prophet, a good man, a good example, then he's crazy for saying that stuff. Because a good and moral man cannot make the claims that Jesus made and at the same time be lying about them at the same time. It's not acceptable. It's logically not possible. If he speaks the truth, he can't lie. 
If he's a good man and he speaks the truth, he, he tells the truth. And what he says does not leave room for demoting him to less than Lord and Judge, to less than ultimate King, to less than the Son of God, whom he calls his Father. Other fools will assent to Jesus' teaching. They will grant him lip service. They will appear to praise him. But down deep, they're just riding along the current of culture. Down deep, they're serving themselves and not really putting into practice what he taught. And this is a particularly a problem because what Jesus taught was primarily about our hearts. Listen, listen to what the things that he's, he's, he's his sayings. It, as he goes through and he explicates each one of the laws that he explicates. It, his point is, look, the outside doesn't matter as much as the heart. It's the heart that matters. It's what you do truly in, in, the, in, in quiet before God. And so they, if, if they're giving Jesus lip service, if they're saying, oh yeah, it's all right, but in their heart they're denying him, if they're being hypocritical, then they have not obeyed him. They've not obeyed him, and they are then in, in, in standing in judgment based on this parable. And it doesn't work. Because, and it doesn't work precisely because Jesus is who he says he was and is. He did speak the truth. He is God incarnate. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord and the Judge. And because he is what he says he is, he sees right through all lies. He judges hearts. He weighs them righteously and justly and faithfully. So that's what foolish men do with Jesus. But the wise man, the wise man hears and believes. The wise man humbles himself before God. He earnestly puts Jesus' teachings to action. As we learned in our Confession of Sin exhortation this morning, wisdom is good and sweet. Accepting the sayings of Jesus and putting them to practice is wisdom. So wise men are people who will have a future and a hope. And that's what our parable reiterates. If you do what Jesus says to do, your house will stand. Your life will be worthwhile in the ultimate sense. You, ha you have a future and a hope, and your hope is sure. It's enduring. There's safety, and there's strength, and there's staying power in Jesus Christ because He's God, and because He invites us into Himself to join Him, to be part of His body, to be part of Him, we can have hope and faith that God is using us 
to further his kingdom, and, and, and he's blessing us in the process. In Ephesians 2, Paul tells the, the Ephesians, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are the house of God. We are His people. We are building the house of God as we seek to live in the church. Therefore, we must trust Him. We must seek Him. And we must serve Him. His foundation is settled and solid. The foundation is God Himself. There's nothing more sure than God. And that's exactly what God gave us to build our house upon. He gave us Himself. And because He gave us Himself, and because He gave us His promises, and because by His nature He cannot lie, those promises are valid. We can trust them. He will protect you in the winds and storms of this life. Put your faith on Him. Trust Him. Walk in His ways. And He will deliver you. He'll protect you and deliver you even through our greatest trial, death. Where, O death, is thy sting? This is not a health and wealth gospel. I want to be clear about that. Jesus will save you. He will protect you. But this is not saying that storms will not come. It's not saying that if you follow Jesus, expect an easy road. Storms are real. They will come. Trials will rise and challenges will try you. You, you, go through, you are saved by going through the furnace. None of us is perfect except Jesus Christ. And these trials, these challenges that we encounter in this life, the winds, the floods, the rains. As we encounter them by faith, they become means by which our souls are perfected. They become means by which we are made better. That's why James tells us to count it all joy when we encounter various trials. Because they make us perfect. They perfect us. And Jesus is Lord and King, and He does not countenance wickedness or evil or sin. Praise God, because we are still tainted. The, the church is still has spots and wrinkles, and He is in the process of purifying and cleansing His church. And if our work, if our house building is shoddy work, Jesus will purify it. But if our work is good and solid, we will be rewarded for it. But if our faith is based on the true foundation of Jesus, even if our works are lacking and they suffer loss, if our faith is in the rock, we will still not be carried away with a storm. And Paul makes this explicitly clear in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul tells the Corinthians, 
According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there's only one foundation. And that's there's only one rock. There's only one place where you can put your faith and your trust and your hope. And know that you are saved eternally. There's only one place that you can find assurance. And it's in Jesus Christ. But our life is more complicated than that. It's more complexity than that. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Again, we're talking about that day, the the final day of judgment. Because it will be revealed by fire, we enter heaven through a furnace. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The faith is still on Jesus here. There's great glory in wisdom. There's great glory in faithful house building. There's great glory in perceiving and grasping the truths of what Jesus says and in putting them into practice. But Jesus is gracious even to the point of saving those who don't get it. But get it enough that they they, they seek Jesus. And he saves them because they put their faith in him. So this reminds us that we need to hear Jesus' sayings, and we need to obey them. We need to be busy doing the work of loving God and our neighbor. We should seek to build with wisdom and skill, and then look to God for his reward. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The summary of the Law and the Prophets is to love God with everything that we have and are, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the gist of the message today was that we need to be busy doing that. We cannot be hearers only and not doers of the Law. Now Jesus gave us his words, his sayings, but Jesus was the Word. He lived it out for us. He bore our trials on our behalf. He took our suffering. He paid our penalty. And he was the example of what this means. And what does he do for us? He gives himself for us. He serves us. He feeds us. He pours himself out upon us. So go and do likewise. But in order to succeed, in order to build your house wisely, you need something first. You need Jesus. And you need His Spirit. And you need wisdom. But by God's overflowing mercy, all of these things are free gifts given by grace 
through faith for you. Christ's body, broken for us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.